0: Welcome to the F1 Strategy Report for Apex Race Manager, the mobile management simulator. On this week's edition, the Bahrain Grand Prix, Kimi Raikkonen goes missing at Ferrari, and McLaren goes missing to Fernando Alonso. That's all to come in this edition of the Strategy Report. My name's Michael Laminato and joining me this week is Rodney Gordon from Super License Podcast. How are you?
1: Very well. Thank you, Michael, for asking me on. I'm really good to be here.
0: Yeah, it's really good to have you yes, here. Indeed, exactly. it's really good to have you here. And it's always good when we can talk about what was a really good race. So I'm happy to say three rounds in after <laughs> all the doom and gloom predictions uh, and we've had three pretty good Grand Prix.
1: Was this the best race of the year so far?
0: I'm willing it's to up say there. yes. It's up there. Yeah, it's, it's definitely it's in yeah. the top three.
1: Yeah, good result. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, if you're if you're Sebastian Vettel right now, there's no mm. way you would have been dreaming for two wins out of the first three races.
0: No, definitely not, and possibly on Mercedes' part, not thinking they'd have dropped two wins out of the first three races, given that they've had three years to get used to only.
1: winning. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really reminds me of where uh, Mercedes were at the start of 2013, where they were just starting mm. to work things out. That's where Ferrari feels like they are right now, and. Mercedes may come back at them, but yeah, there's just something's in the air, isn't it?
0: Mm, something is in the you air. You can smell it. Oh lord! Uh, now, <laughs> <laughs> if we look over the race weekend, there are a couple of key points, uh, and we talk about the narrative of the season. We've got three races down, and how that might go forward. I think what is worth noting is that as much as the races are close in qualifying, we're still seeing that Mercedes qualifying power unit advantage, are we? Because it was the biggest, I think, qualifying gap of the year. Um, between Mercedes and the other cars and it was a one-two on the front row rather than Ferrari breaking into that.
1: Yeah, but it was still a bit of a mixed unexpected result with Bottas getting it and Hamilton not. Yeah. I mean, by no means is everything still going smoothly, even in qualifying. Even when Mm -hmm. they're dominating, they're still not Getting their way, 100%.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it was a good poll for Bottas as well. Yeah. Sometimes we forget. I mean, he's been around for a while and he's been highly rated for long enough and now he's in a Mercedes drive, but he doesn't doesn't have those milestones yet. He so had to remind poll, the team. They were like, yeah, yeah that's Paul." He was like, hey guys, that's my first one. <laughs> this is my first. Get pumped. Get around <laughs> me. Come on. So he was key. As, well, as, as excited as Finnish people can be. I think they asked well, yeah. in the press conference afterwards, Vettel asked, <laughs> "So a word for excited in Finnish. And he said, oh, I dunno.
1: <laughs> so No, I think I think Heiki Kulta confirmed that it was yeah. huge in Finland. Huge Who, news.
0: Who's also been just as an aside rocketed into a rock star as this Finnish journalist, Out of lovely man, but he all is. of a sudden never got something about Kulta.
1: He was the big winner of qualifying, yeah. wasn't he?
0: <laughs> More than anyone else. Right. So good on you, Heiky. But uh <laughs> we move on to the race. Weirdly enough, even though everyone was very excited for Bottas's poll, and indeed, but I mean, for the first time as well, I was excited by, by the prospect of uh, a new race winner, which is a rare thing in Formula One.
1: Yeah, I mean, Bottas, it, it was Bottas's uh, lead to lose going to, into mm-hmm. turn one. Obviously, no one really expected, I don't think, for it to be Bottas... Uh, Vettel and then Hamilton going to Q1, or mm-hmm. once we got through Q1. So, yeah, Hamilton had his work cut out today. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, it's been a while. I mean, I, I can't even think of the last time uh, Finn... Won a race, it's been a long time, I guess it's been three or four years at least, with, with and everyone mm-hmm. thought that he would be the next guy to strike. But Bottas is just, he's kind of turned it around a little bit, but then in the space of 24 hours, they've they've gone, well, he's taken the pressure off himself by beating Hamilton to pole. Mm-hmm. And then he just had such a lackluster race, couldn't get it right. I know we'll talk about all the reasons why, but just it seems mm-hmm. like he's gone from quite optimistic, answering some of his doubters, to completely 180.
0: Yeah. Opposite. And it's sort of ironic that the the pole for Bottas and obviously a pole for Mercedes turned into a bit of a double-edged sword because in some respects, having pole and, and leading into the first corner kind of cost Mercedes the race, <laughs> which is not normally the way it happens.
1: Well, I mean, there was a safety car, there were strategy calls, which is what this mm-hmm. thing's all about. But yeah, I mean, it, it definitely didn't go the way it needed to. And I mean, Bottas just must really be gutted because he had his best chance yet mm. of the season to prove the doubt is wrong, but couldn't do it. And um Yeah, it was such a funny middle, such a funny first Mm stint, such a funny first stint. So much could have happened. And then after Mm -hmm. the safety car, it all looked like things had gone either good or bad, depending on who you were. Exactly. I don't think the commentators could really tell. They were like, this really helps Mercedes, (laughs) although
0: they both got jumped by the guy (laughs) behind them. So that's a bit strange. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was difficult to read for everyone. Mark of a good race, I suppose. It started (laughs) uh, on the grid for Bottas, though, his woes, because a generator of Mercedes failed or it didn't work. It broke. Uh, which meant they couldn't reduce the pressure in his tyres, which meant his tyres were ex- overpowered. Explain to me how that works because surely they
1: have checks and you surely there's so? a manual way that they can fix this. It's Remember just- when they used to give out penalties for having the wrong tyre pressure? Yeah, I know, right? Now it's like, whatever, it doesn't matter.
0: Can't you just do the trick you do with your car and just take the little cap off and squeeze yeah. the valve? But apparently not. No. It's not scientific or precise enough for right. Formula
1: 1. Even the new tyre pressure ones have a little beeping thing that goes off when it's mm. at the right, the ideal temperature, exactly. the ideal pressure. Unbelievable. They really
0: just need to get some average like servo design designers down there yeah. everyone can get a little air pump no, but look at i mean
1: the other thing about uh vettel jumping hamilton was that the team couldn't just tell bottas uh we we stuffed up your tires mm-hmm. it's affecting your performance and hamilton doesn't have that issue please let him through exactly. they couldn't do that because vettel was in the way
0: and so we saw after the first few laps uh the top six in fact because we also had red bull racing all of a sudden in the mix <laughs> if, if only temporarily it was incredible yeah within a couple of seconds in fact there was one shot uh, on you know, one of the laps where you could see all of these teams in one, sh- which I can't remember the last time we had three competing teams for a win in one yes. camera shot. 2012. Yeah, well, yeah, it was good <laughs> times, good memories. But they're getting a little distant, a little bit hazy. But now we had in this had it in this race, but it did mean everything kept close together, like you said. And we saw again though that Ferrari, in particular was able to travel really really close behind Valtteri Bottas yes there was a pace differential but on the other hand not quite big enough that Vettel could just make the pass
1: yeah well there's still this question mark about uh, performance tyre performance what can Mercedes do when there's Mm -hmm. warm temperatures are they going to blow through their tyres and and Ferrari don't seem to be even if they have the pace in qualifying to get ahead of them the hot races are always going to help for Mercedes you can think ahead to Barcelona Singapore all those races where uh, Mercedes are going to have their work cut out for them even if they get pole Mm -hmm. but um I mean, it was always uh, Ferrari. The the race was on for them. Whether they were leading or not, they were always going to try the undercut because it's so powerful here. Mm -hmm. And when Vettel pitted and the safety car came out, it didn't really even matter because Vettel had done enough Mm -hmm. at that point to get himself ahead and then we get through the safety guide period and Vettel's
0: controlling the race from that point. Mm -hmm. And for once, we see in a situation where strategy is decisive and Ferrari didn't blow it completely, (laughs) unlike all of the opening races of last year where Ferrari was in a similar situation being quite (laughs) close and then completely undid themselves. I
1: don't want to jump too far ahead to talk about Raikkonen, but it does seem like Ferrari are getting the calls right for Mm Vettel, but wrong maybe or not optimal for Mm -hmm. Raikkonen. So is it that they've gone from not being able to run their strategy across the whole team to just focusing on one guy mm-hmm. and being like, well, well, let's get it right for him and <laughs> the other guy, he's even running? I don't yeah. know.
0: Well, to be fair, Raikkonen sort of elicits that kind of, where is he, response. <laughs> is he, <laughs> is he still here? Was he, did he start? Yeah,
1: <laughs> he's saving Bottas's bacon at the moment by just yeah. not being there, isn't he?
0: Yeah, pretty much. So you can kind of understand uh, that from Ferrari's perspective. We will talk a little bit later about how for the second race in a row... And potentially didn't have all the strategy calls for him, yeah. but uh, the call to to undercut Bottas by Vettel was pretty good. Even though the safety car did come out, not unlike in China, I mean it was a very similar yeah. thing to what they were doing in it China. Was. Whereas in China, the safety car really neutralised the whole advantage. But Vettel was so quick on his first sort of lap and a half on the super soft, so when he pitted on lap 10, that there was no way a safety car was going to undo Valtteri Bottas' disadvantage in this sense. (laughs) Uh, I think it was three seconds quicker on that one clean lap he got before the safety car came out, which well put him under the stop time. But what we also saw in the safety car was one other potentially decisive thing, and that was Lewis Hamilton slowing down who he thought he was racing at the time, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, Uh, which was subsequently penalized for five seconds. And I do note (laughs) that uh, some websites are are running a poll as to whether or not that penalty should have been imposed, but it seemed fairly open and shut.
1: These wouldn't be British websites, would they?
0: Oh, I couldn't say. Okay, fair it's enough. Well, to know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was just a blunder from Hamilton. Obviously, he was trying to hit a delta, and he said uh, after the race that he was trying to hit five seconds. He got up to mm-hmm. 4.7 seconds and thought he was clear. I thought he had it done. Might have even been pushing a little bit more than he needed to. Maybe he saw Ricardo in his, his mirrors or what, but just got it completely wrong. Uh, forgot the rule book for one minute. And Hamilton has these 1% moments where even last year we saw three or four times he got reprimanded by the stewards where he's mm-hmm. obviously the 90 99% champion But there's those 1%ers one, one where He just loses his brain And just doesn't Remember the rules They're just they're Simple rules
0: I can't wait for the Hamilton movie The 99% champion
1: <laughs> Not rush But
0: very fast
1: Very fast 99% of rushing Yeah um, <laughs> But he makes these Silly errors every now And again And it, it was so costly Today And everyone's asking After the race Well if it wasn't For the 5 seconds Would you have won Which is a neat Excuse for him mm-hmm. The problem is that It was a problem that he caused himself mm-hmm. um yeah uh, and i'm sure that uh, hamilton will say yeah you know i've been stacked in the past and it's, it's 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 always goes against me that's he always tries to create that narrative of like mm-hmm. i'm the victim i've been robbed <laughs> um yeah but i mean when you cause the problem yourself i just don't mm-hmm. know i just don't understand it but i'm saying they split the strategy as well which is really interesting so uh, i wonder whether if hamilton was in front whether they would have split the strategy yeah. or not well We'll never know, but we can speculate. That's our favorite thing to do. In that's fact, I think that's what time. we're here for. So, yeah.
0: I think what is interesting, you, you note the 99% champion thing. If there's one thing, like if we want to talk about this race and extrapolate it into a championship idea, if there's one thing Vettel doesn't lack, it's that extra 1% in the sense yes. of knowing regulations and, and being able to understand strategy that's yeah. happening outside the car. I mean, to, to perfect contrast, mm-hmm. is
1: Vettel overtaking two cars yeah. On the entry of the pit lane, uh, mm-hmm. not under safety car conditions, because yeah, he yeah. knows the regulations so well, he knows he can do that. Mm-hmm. And Hamilton doesn't. Yeah, but um, I mean, I mean, you can just see after the race too that Vettel is just chomping at the bit to get into testing. Hamilton, mm-hmm. I'm sure, is rolling his eyes and wondering, like, making a playlist that he's going to listen to in the car, you know. <laughs> and that's the difference at the moment. But the results are showing on the track,
0: mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and that will be interesting to see how it unfolds. Yep. But as you say, Mercedes split their strategy at this point. Hamilton went on the softs. Bottas went onto the super softs. Yes. and what was meant to be critical here, Bottas, by the way, in second place behind Vettel, so potentially, or yes, Perfect the leading Vettel. Mercedes, but yes, uh, is that these tyres should have been much better than Bottas's first uh, first stint because they were at the correct pressure <laughs> and were also the faster tyres in the first place. Ideally, yes, that would be the case, <laughs> but this didn't happen. No. We actually saw Hamilton on much better pace on the soft tyres, uh, and as it sort of happened further down, uh, we also saw Raikkonen see better performance on the soft tyres. As well, not all cars though. Daniel Ricciardo suffered on the soft tyres in this stint. He started uh, in front of Hamilton, despite the fact Hamilton tried to slow him, but was almost immediately passed. And it does sort of <laughs> raise the question. I mean, tyre. This sort of demonstrates that teams are still getting to grips with these new tyres, not really fully understanding them.
1: Yeah, as you say, Ricciardo not very good on the soft tyres. Hamilton electing to go on the soft tires at the end Even though he only had 16 laps to do mm-hmm. Some other drivers are doing 25, 26 laps on the super soft So mm-hmm. I mean, it's all over the place But I mean, the differential between how the cars are managing the tires Got really shown out at this race It yeah. won't in the other races We'll hit, we'll hit <laughs> Europe And every, every mm-hmm. race will be 17 degrees Celsius And mm-hmm. everything will be smooth sailing
0: We'll get a classic Barcelona race Everyone has all the yes. testing data there <laughs> Nothing will happen in that race In fact, just mark yeah. it off your calendars now No, cheeros <laughs> for everybody Early cheers. <laughs> Elite churros. <laughs> I like it a lot. Uh, what was uncovered here with Bottas's slower pace, though, was the first of two times that he moved aside for Lewis Hamilton. Yes. So, I mean, he's done this in during his,
1: his career at Williams, mm-hmm. and it's clear that he's come to Mercedes with no intention of rocking the boat.
0: Mm-hmm. He is,
1: He's the guy who, when they ask him to get out of the way, he, he'll do it. I mean, Rosberg did that a few times when he was Hamilton's uh, teammate. Hamilton just isn't the guy to do that unless he absolutely has to. Mm-hmm. Didn't pick the best spot either, if you remember. He could have done it on that straight and he yeah. left it for that fast corner, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you were watching Hamilton's on board, it looked like he needed quick reactions to avoid a crash. Mm-hmm. But if you're watching Bottas, it all just seems smooth and serene and he got out of the <laughs> way nicely. So, um, yeah, I'm sure he, he's thinking, well, i let you go. What's the problem? Mm. But, um, yeah, it, it's. I think that's the biggest problem for Bottas after this race. After setting pole to then be asked twice to let your teammate through, mm. it's his Fernando is faster than you moment, really. Yeah,
0: I think that's a really interesting way to put it. And I think, as you say... Uh, this was his pole position. It was a recovery from a difficult race in China where yep. he spun behind the safety car, not to mention the immediate comparisons with Hamilton all season, which are natural enough. Mm, he's yeah, team fair enough. a, of you're course. In a championship winning team and he's a championship-winning team. I wonder how this will, if it does uh, affect his confidence and ability to grow in this team, his ability to grow into a driver that could race toe to toe with Hamilton in his own team, because yeah, really difficult and, and probably kind of embarrassing moment for him.
1: I think there's so many data points that the team are pulling at the moment that they'll find some laps where he was as fast or faster than Hamilton on the same mm-hmm. tires and the same fuel loads and all the rest of it. They'll, they'll find ways to pump him up. Mm-hmm. But I think in his heart, he knows that this weekend he didn't do what he could have done or should have done. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I mean, he's got some excuses with the tie pressures being wrong at the start, but yeah, he needs to do better than this. We're all hoping that he does better than this, right? I mean, mm-hmm. whether you like him or not, <laughs> we're all hoping that he does a little bit better than this.
0: Yeah. I think it's worth comparing him to Kimi Räikkönen here because what we see, and it was really quite obvious yesterday, maybe because Bottas was on pole, but the two drivers in each of these teams, Ferrari and Mercedes, are separated by quite a performance margin. Vettel and Hamilton are operating on another level, at least in the first three True. races to to Bottas and Raikkonen, and whereas Raikkonen, I guess, sort of to Ferrari's advantage, never really gets in the way because he's not quick <laughs> enough. He's sort of in the background. They don't just, need to worry yeah, about it. Yeah, he's good enough for fourth. Whereas Bottas just kind of quick enough to get in the way, like he did here, where he slowed everybody down. Yeah, does this not put Mercedes in, a, in an interesting situation whereby, as much as you want to, as they have in the last three years, give your drivers equal treatment? If, he, if he's in front but can't maintain the pace, how do you manage that in a, in a season-long battle where Ferrari is very clearly matching Mercedes' abilities?
1: It's already slipping away from Bottas, that mm-hmm. that argument that he can make, where he really needs to put scoreboard pressure on the team <laughs> and on, how you know, to use that old phrase, scoreboard yeah. pressure. But he's already, you know, 30 points behind uh, Vettel. Yeah. So he, he can't make that argument like, uh, oh, I'm going to take a few points out of Vettel. It's like that boat mm-hmm. that, that has sailed. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's very quickly becoming too late for him to say that. So all he can do is just try and hang on to the back of Hamilton as best he can mm-hmm. and, and show the team like, hey, I need you to make the calls for me too because I'm right there. But if you're not there, you can forget it. It's yeah. just not going to happen.
0: Yeah, and I think that's—I mean—that's going to be really interesting to see how Toto Wolff, for one, does grapple with that. Given Bottas is a former protege of his, yes, and also geez. on the other hand, Toto Wolff, big proponent of the equality <laughs> philosophy inside Mercedes, you know, very careful to make sure Rosberg and Hamilton were treated evenly over the last three years, so. or at
1: least make it appear as though they yeah. were. Which, uh, again, it gets tough to do when the drivers aren't helping
0: him out and meeting him halfway.
1: Yeah, I think so. So, well, <laughs> I promise you, we're treating you the same. Just because yeah. you're a second
0: slower, that's not my fault. Yeah. I think so well we'll wait and see how that does unfold because for Hamilton he really was that much quicker and we talked about the soft tyre mm. he had a, a third stint on the soft his final stint was on the soft which ended up being faster than the super soft yeah, did look so- I mean, that
1: that final stint, Mm. the team asked Bottas to get out of the way, but they wouldn't have needed to because Hamilton would have flown past him.
0: You wouldn't have even seen him coming. Seconds a lap quicker than Bottas. Uh, And Hamilton almost was able to overhaul Sebastian Vettel. And this is where it comes back to that five-second penalty. He finished just over six seconds behind Vettel. So let's say without penalty, just over one second behind Vettel. And you start to see that's really costly. And it's interesting because Ferrari was saying on the radio that Vettel and Ferrari were just faster in this race and I can't help but wonder whether or not that's true as much as Vettel would have had some in reserve in that last in given he was unchallenged for probably half the Grand Prix Hamilton was pretty quick this weekend I
1: I feel my gut feeling is that Ferrari had the race pace over Mercedes this week But they needed the race to go their way For it to work mm-hmm. out And it did go their way So that, that, was, that was fine We're still kind of robbed of this actual Wheel-to-wheel fight between the two <laughs> yeah. Three races down mm-hmm. and no action No highlights to show <laughs> So, um, I mean, that will come And that's when we'll really know what's happening But, I mean, my gut feeling is that uh, All things being equal Ferrari would have got the jump on them anyway mm-hmm. But yeah, Hamilton's, Hamilton's pace at the end was, was blistering It was phenomenal mm-hmm. But again, both drivers are driving their race
0: You know, according to where they are in that point of the race. So you can't tell. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, I do like we got a little bit of Vettel and Bottas wheel to wheel action <laughs> Just not Hamilton At some point we will Wrong get one. there So it was Vettel and Hamilton first and second Valtteri Bottas finished third Somewhat distant third uh, On a final stint on the softs even though he, Which you couldn't extract the same amount of pace from Kimi Räikkönen was fourth I want to talk briefly about Kimi Räikkönen Because he was a bit nowhere in the first half of the race And then came alive in the final stint His problem, and he admitted this He had a terrible first lap, he dropped two places Including one to Felipe Massa who was very <laughs> Very sprightly this weekend for a former retiree. He, he was up and about yeah. for sure, <laughs> but he was getting amongst the like, like just rubbing
1: shoulders with the big guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's just unforgivable from Racken and You can't lose those kind of places. Mm-hmm. You need to be hanging on to your teammates, not falling behind the slower guys. Um, yeah, gee, he just makes it hard for himself, doesn't he, Kimmy?
0: Yeah, I think that's the problem. He makes it hard for himself, and we see this. I want to talk about this maybe in a little bit of the context of. Red Bull Racing from a good few years ago. You remember Sebastian sure. Vettel and Mark Webber where as much as they were, let's at the very least say nominally treating them evenly, the more Vettel outperformed Webber, the more there was sort of an emotional distraction towards Sebastian Vettel. I wonder how much of this is similar in Ferrari. Now, Kimi raikkonen has got a big fan base. Everyone loves Kimi. He's <laughs> been in Ferrari for ages and ages and ages. But the yes. more he underperforms, the less favorable treatment, if you can use that phrase. And I don't mean sort of like favoritism, but he gets from the Ferrari people. And we saw this in China, where they pitted him later than he probably should have been. Yes, they were trying for a one-stop. But we saw it again here, where... He was showing no reasonable pace at all in his middle stint on the super softs and they waited too long to pit him because on the softs, he was amongst the quickest drivers in that last stint on the track. In fact, he almost passed Bottas by the end mm. of the race.
1: So there's, and I think he set yeah. the fastest lap in Australia when the race was done and lost. So, yeah. I mean, he's got pace when he needs it. When he's told he can do it, mm. he's allowed to and he can turn the wick up when he, when he wants Obviously, I think he sort of doesn't still like this modern era of Formula 1 where you've got to save fuel and you've got to look Mm. after your tyres. And even though that's been sort of... Lessened a little bit with the new regulations this year. I still just think he just gets the sads when things don't go his way. (laughs) There's no doubt though the team needs to do a little bit of a better job in helping him extract the maximum, Mm -hmm. and that might just spark a bit more interest and a few more fast laps from him. But it's a it's a combination of things I think from him, and obviously he's getting old. Mm -hmm. His motivations like like his 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 motivation is fading like grandma Mm -hmm. on a Sunday (laughs) afternoon. Like it's just not it's just not there. Mm. So. I mean, they need to do everything that they can to keep his blood sugar levels up and his interest levels up. <laughs> and if they don't, we see the kind of results that we saw this week.
0: Yeah, I think so. So he finished fourth, uh, which means he scored enough points for Ferrari to ensure, despite the fact he finished behind everybody else, uh <laughs> that they go three points up in the constructors' championship yes. while Vettel holds, as we said, a seven point lead. And then Ricardo finished fifth. Kind of in no man's land. Not really close to Raikkonen no. and Massa behind him wasn't that close to him. And he struggled a lot. We touched on it earlier. His middle stint on the softs was no good. It was terrible. <laughs> uh, and you know, he lost all these places straight after the safety car yeah. came in. He could never warm up the tyres. His pace didn't improve at all over the stint. Like The tyres never came towards him. And he did a last uh, a last stint, about 18 laps I think it was, uh, on the Supersoft and did very very well all of a sudden yet another example of teams not really getting yeah. an understanding of how the tires work
1: it was a recovery drive from raikkonen and, and obviously verstappen probably had his measures today until he crashed but mm-hmm. uh, i mean there's no doubt verstappen would have been in p5 if ricardo wasn't mm-hmm. recovery drive up to p5 which is what they're targeting which is a bit sad it is for i mean they're boring. not even targeting podiums they're mm-hmm. like no we're at p5 and if we finish there that's a good race yeah um Yeah, I just don't know what to say about Red Bull at the moment. I mean, there just seems to be so many things
0: wrong, or they don't even know what's wrong. Well, but yeah, just, we don't know what to do. Correlation problems with the Yuff. wind tunnel, which is part of the reason <laughs> this car's help. not being developed. Yeah, you saw it covered in all the paint during practice <laughs> uh, and those big rake things, which are yeah. not very damage. So that's a bad sign after race three. Yeah, exactly. We saw in China, they were a bit nowhere because it was quite cold. It was yeah. warm in Bahrain, obviously, yet they still seem to be suffering, uh, like Ricardo did, from tyre warm up issues on the soft. Yeah. Possibly again due to a lack of downforce that's covering both Grand Prix there. It would have been interesting had Verstappen's brake not strangely failed. Uh, which is a bit out of the blue for Red Bull Racing because he was going to do a second stint on the Super Soft, and the yeah. pace differential between Ricardo and Verstappen in that stint would have been really interesting. That would have told
1: us a lot. And mm-hmm. I mean, I was going to say on Ricardo, I mean, he's looking forward to Monaco like mm-hmm. no one's business, and there's not enough money in the world to get him to go and drive an <laughs> Indy car. He's like, I'm driving. I'll skip every other race but Monaco, please.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And let's. Um, we may as well. I mean, we've talked. To, we've we mentioned Ricardo, the fact he couldn't warm up his tyres. There wasn't enough life in the Super softs in that Red Bull Racing car lacking downforce. But just before we talk about who I. I think, could have been driver of the day. Let's talk about Fernando Alonso, who's certainly entertainment value of the day with his uh, radio <laughs> well, calls. To, to
1: He was certainly the big talking point before the race. What's happening with you in IndyCar? Why are you going to IndyCar? Mm. Why are they letting you go to IndyCar? Yeah. Why do you
0: want to go to IndyCar?
1: Yeah. And he gets in the car and you think, well, he must be happy. I mean, mm. they've done the one thing that he wants. He must be Let like... out of his car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he must be loving life. And he gets on the radio and he's more, he's more mm. stroppy and grumpy than, than he has been mm-hmm. for the whole last few years. Yeah. Um, I mean he's getting overtaken with DRS and it's like yeah I mean DRS isn't Mm. new that's not a new thing and your car's slow that's also not a new thing (laughs) I don't he just just caught him by surprise like Mm -hmm.
0: these guys are fast and we're not yeah yeah I know it's strange it's been three years tell me about it (laughs) you can get used to it I do feel bad as much as I feel bad Fernando Alonso Stoffel van Dorn. Has been copying the worst of it. I think it's fair to say. I mean, he couldn't even start this Grand Prix because of Honda's problems. Oh, uh, yeah. which, and they're, they're fast approaching their maximum power unit limit now. Fernando Alonso retired one uh, lap before the end of the Grand Prix, supposedly with power unit so problems. Did you
1: make anything of that? There's question marks over whether mm-hmm. it was legit.
0: Yeah. Well, there are question marks. It's a, it's a difficult to know. Yeah. I mean, he said, he, I think that what was exactly the phrase, power unit problem or something. Yeah. Like well, that. he could
1: call in and say there's a problem yeah. with this engine. It's yeah. like we knew that before you yeah. started no, the no, race. No, 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 for two <laughs> It's a Honda, that's the problem.
0: (laughs) The problem is that. Got the wrong manufacturer stamped on the side. I mean, there's also talk, of course, and there has been the first two rounds, the Honda power unit suffers from terrible fuel consumption. It Mm. consumes a lot of fuel. And Fernando's been performing exceptionally well for a driver that... Let's say if he were conserving fuel, I suspect he might not be conserving as much fuel as he wanted. So yeah, either, that's too. yeah, maybe you believe the conspiracy is making a point. Maybe you say that he's just choosing not to conserve fuel because he wants to have fun knowing he's not going to score any points, yeah. which you can kind of forgive him for, or maybe there really was a problem. I, don't,
1: I just don't know that there's anything better. Like if you pull over and retire in P13 mm-hmm. or you finish the race in P13, what's, what's the difference? I don't... I mean, if, yeah. if you follow that logic through, like, well, he'd rather retire than finish P13, but what's
0: mm. the difference? You skip the queues to get out of the circuit, well, I guess. Well, maybe you do. Early. You get into the pen earlier and yep. get out
1: earlier, for sure. Less
0: people in the bathroom. Oh, the bathroom. This. That's a nightmare, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it's just <laughs> terrible queuing up for the portable toilets. It's so good <laughs> at the Grand Prix. It's no wonder he retired early yeah. from the race. Makes sense now. Uh, yeah, there were some beautiful radio calls. I've never driven a car with less power. I, think I it was don't one. think that's true. No, oh, certainly not. He started with Minardi, didn't he? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, and then my favorite, they're considering changing his strategy. Do whatever you want. Do whatever want, you right? want, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's nah. out. He's checked out. That's it's, a t shirt. Yeah. Like that's a mug. Yeah, I think. Do whatever you want, man. <laughs> if Zach Brown is the marketing genius we well, all look like to be, I expect well, this to be well, I, was the gonna, so, I was gonna
1: ask you a question. What do you think about this call from Zach Brown that he can go and drive in an Indy? Is that Brown is that Zach Brown looking after Zach Brown? Mm, well, or is he looking after F one?
0: I think I don't know if he's looking after F one, to be honest. I think IndyCar has more to gain than Formula mm, One. Yes, I, I don't I think agree, it's yes. bad for Formula One, although I mean, I was talking about it during the week. I think the thing is, it's Monaco. If it were any other race, if it were Azerbaijan, yeah. you'd sort of go, well, you know, he's missing a Grand Prix, but it's yeah. not the Grand Prix that's the most important for the sponsors, for all the teams, and more importantly the most likely for McLaren to score points. And as much yes. as Jensen Button, he'll be replacing him as driven there before. Never driven a new car. Will not <laughs> drive the new car before Monaco. Oops. Hasn't even been in the simulator until not now. To, yeah, could you even out end, right? Well, why not? Unless <laughs> he's driven the new car. But True. I it just seems really strange. You can't help but acknowledge it's a contract. I think Eric Bouyer said every team's allowed to use whatever tools are in their arsenal to renew contracts. So he did hint mm. at the fact that this could be a bit of a sweetener. But... I mean I don't know It's great for Fernando To have a go at Indy I yeah, like right. the idea Of F1 drivers Driving other categories But to miss Monaco Just adds an air Of suspiciousness
1: Well I think it's good For F1 To have an F1 driver Do this It's the real return To the old days The 70s Where mm. drivers would Just disappear for a month And did mm. who knows what And return And show up in Spa And pop it on pole mm-hmm. It's good for Indy To have you know A talking point A big talking yeah. point How's this F1 guy Going to mm-hmm. go You think you're so big You're in yeah. now, You're in our home <laughs> turf Now mister Yeah um, And I think it's really good For everyone basically Except for my monaco mm-hmm. where the driver's like nah, yeah. i don't really care if i yeah. drive here or not that's not a good look I so, so i mean i i sort of flip-flop on whether i like mm-hmm. like or or dislike monaco when it comes around i love it the rest mm-hmm. of the year i'm like it's too slow you can't overtake yeah. and it, the cars have outdeveloped it and all the rest of it but i think monaco is the big loser in that one
0: i think so i do think it is as you say it's sort of good to see this uh, older era, if you like. It's rare. I say, oh, it's good. We're back in the good old days. But it's, it's nice to back. see. It's a throwback yeah. attitude. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved it when Hulkenberg went to Le Mans. I yeah. think it was a great shame that Formula One didn't capitalize on that. I yes, mean, indeed. where else can you say, a guys, never won a Formula One Grand Prix, rocks up to what's meant to be the fiercest <laughs> race in the world on his weekend off, and wins it like yeah. first attempt. What a great story. <laughs> so, I mean, if Alonso managed it, it'd be another great story. And mm. I think at least F One's now in a position to capitalize on that True. with new commercial rights holders. There's one more driver I want to talk about, and that's certainly Sergio Perez. Now, we all lauded Max Verstappen in China because he made up, I think it was nine places in the first lap, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, not bad. Make no bones about it and made up 13 over the course of the race. Perez made up 11 over the course of the race. He got five on the first lap, six in the first five laps, uh, and then, yes, he had some help from the safety car, but the Force India that's sort of been a little bit on, a little bit off so far this season, uh, certainly to what is a really clean Grand Prix in Bahrain where there was no you know, weird no Friday practice or rain or whatever. They weren't really there in qualifying. Mm. But Perez, really solid drive, uh, very straightforward, super soft, super soft, soft stint. But it shows once again, I think, that Compared to sort of older versions of Perez, this guy is super mature, manages the car very well, and also shows Force India is a team that knows what it's doing.
1: Yeah, well, definitely they do, and they definitely should be up there mixing it with Williams. That's where they belong. They've -hmm. got the the performance to do that. These kinds of tracks will will suit them, and it it definitely Mm -hmm. suits Perez's... uh, Driving style, he can look after the tyres. He was on the podium here a few years ago mm-hmm. in 2014, so he knows how to drive here. This is one of his favorite places. But I mean, the other thing about Force India, I mean, Ocon did pretty well, yeah, but there is still yeah. that disparity between Perez and Ocon, and there's a disparity between Hulkenberg and Palmer. There's three mm-hmm. or four teams where you can look at that are like that. There's a younger driver mm-hmm. and a, a guy that sort of threatened to crack into those top teams, but never really did it. Mm-hmm. Even, uh, I mean, even Haas is the same, so um. I mean, it's funny. I, I like watching those kind of battles. Mm-hmm. The pair is really uh, Sean this week. So you're yeah. 100% right to call him out as one of the potential best drives of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, really getting it up there where, he, where it belongs.
0: Yeah, I think so. And really impressive for Force India, or really important, I should say, for Force mm. India, because... They had problems with this car over pre-season. They've acknowledged that the the car over the the first four rounds of this year is not where they want it to be, and they're doing the traditional Spanish upgrade, win everything kind of strategy. But they're scoring really massive points uh, in this early part of the season. I think they're fourth in the standings at the moment. So by the time they do get that apparently very well-working car uh, plugged in in Barcelona, this could be, again, a really, really good season for Force India.
1: It could easily be, and they're just that little team that could, and they just Mm. keep popping it in and climbing slow. Slowly, slowly, <laughs> and in five years' time, we'll be sitting here talking about yeah. how Perez, uh, you know, is potential world champion.
0: Mm. Little be yeah, that's yeah, that's probably, gonna yeah, for four That's going to happen. Who knows? I don't know. That's <laughs> Ferrari seat probably available at the end of the year. Who's going to say? Who's going to say? Uh, you will. Yep, <laughs> i already have. i already have. In fact, uh, that was the Bahrain Grand Prix. Really good race Really interesting strategy involved uh, And for once in, well, a very long time It was a perfectly judged strategy call from Ferrari Almost mm-hmm. undone by a safety car But pulled off nonetheless That won Sebastian Vettel this Grand Prix And puts him back at the top of the championship table It's been good to discuss it with you, Rodney I hope, I hope I'm hopeful the next time you're on We also have a great race Because I feel like last year we had you on for a couple of boring ones I can't remember uh, You know, it, it comes and goes yeah. Things yeah. around about yeah. Just keep having
1: me on a little <laughs> I'll make the races better by my attendance on this podcast Well, I can't turn you down on
0: that, Rodney. It's been a pleasure. (laughs) Pleasure that was the strategy report for the 2017 bahrain grand prix but if you want to read more about the strategy from this week's race go to f1 strategyreportcom for the pit stop stats tire data and jack leslie's write-up of all the action from sakia the strategy report is powered by the 2017 edition of apex race manager the number one new racing game in germany italy and australia get yourself a free copy of this mobile strategy game from itunes and the google play store my name's Michael Laminato, you can find me at Michael Laminato on Twitter, and I'll catch you in two weeks' time for the Russian Grand Prix.